on this episode of the Insert Coin Theater podcast, a much belated Black Ops 4 review. Also going to be talking about the nature of crunch in the games industry and how it's good or bad, depending on your own take. And uh, I'll give you my point of view on it after the news that broke about Rockstar and their crunch and the recent telltale disaster slash debacle. With that said, my name is Tim. This is the Insert Coin Theater podcast. Let's start the show. I've been meaning to talk about Black Ops 4 for a hot minute since it came out, really. But unfortunately, I didn't get around to doing it because, well, other podcast episodes took precedence, like our awesome episode last week with Rival Laura. That was a great show. I really enjoyed doing that one. I hope you guys enjoyed it, too. It was a it was nice to get some insight into how the merch production side of things works. Uh, It's something that I don't get to really experience too terribly often, mainly because I'm on the front end of that. I provide merch through vendors, but I'm not really the creator of said merch. So that said, it's very interesting to see. And I had a really good time talking with with her and hearing her perspective on art and how people treat art in general with the way things kind of go in content creation. Artists are very undervalued uh, for as much work as they put in. But with that said, it was a really good show. You should check it out. It's episode 14 of the ICT podcast. So make sure you give that a go if you have not. I don't think you will be disappointed in the slightest. Had a really good conversation. But that said, let's talk about Black Ops 4. Now, Black Ops 4 is something that I've been wanting to talk about for a bit. It's a pretty good game, actually. If you have not played it, if you've been watching it or been on the fence about picking it up because there's no campaign or what have you, it's a pretty solid experience all around. It's got a lot to it. For being a multiplayer only experience, the blackout mode could have been a almost could have been a game in itself if it wasn't only that game mode. Uh, and I'll talk a little bit about BRs as well in this segment, but it could have almost been its own game with a little bit more variety to it. Um, and then you've got the multiplayer, which has been its own game in Black Ops 3. I think it was they had a standalone of the multiplayer, which was game enough in its in its own right for me. I absolutely loved it. And then it's got the zombie mode, which the zombie mode is almost a completely different game in its own right. I mean, the weapons are different. The behavior of everything is different. The way things handle the classes, the character building, it's just all a different, entirely different story. It's weird and interesting. And to be honest, it's more campaign than I would have expected out of a Call of Duty game. So if you're looking for something that has story and is interesting, yeah, it's co-op, but the zombie mode itself is has a lot to it it's really crazy i haven't played a ton of it but i can tell you there's a lot to it it's overwhelming to an extent if you don't know what you're doing and you kind of got to get in with people that you know so i look at it as not really it doesn't have a campaign per se but it does have a, a cooperative campaign style mode with the zombies and i think that's pretty fascinating in its own right and i think it's worth taking a look at the game itself has a lot to it uh, the base multiplayer game, which is Call of Duty multiplayer, which has your your typical deathmatch, team deathmatch, uh, domination type modes, but also adds a new mode called Heist, which is where you're trying to steal money and take it back to your base 
uh, adds a lot of interesting and fun. I'm using the word interesting a lot today. I'm sorry. I'm it's kind of stuck in my head. So apologies there, but it's, it's pretty cool. It's actually a pretty enjoyable game experience overall. It's got a lot to it. Uh, the progression is nice. It's pretty typical. You level up to a certain level, then you can prestige and it more or less start over, but your weapons also have their own levels. You unlock skins, you unlock, uh, targeting reticles for the various individual attachments. Like if you have a holographic site, you can get new reticles for it. Um, there's a ton of attachments for each gun. It's pretty cool. It's a ton of fun and I'm getting my money's out of it. My money's worth out of it. I really have thoroughly enjoyed playing it. I have for both the PC and the Xbox, the PC mode is a, com the PC version of the game is a completely different story. It's, so much faster paced than the Xbox. It's amazing. It's like playing kids on Adderall all the time and you just have to have reflexes, the reflexes of a cat God to be able to even stand a chance against the people that play on the PC. It is insanity to the nth degree. Xbox is a little bit slower paced. People are still really, really good on it. And there are your fair share of sweaty tryhards as usual, as one would expect. But overall, it is a much more fun experience for me my reflexes have not gotten any quicker as time has progressed. I'll just say that much. So the PC mode, while fun, the PC version, I keep saying mode, the PC version of the game is still very fun. It's way different in terms of speed and the level that the players are on. The players are just like 180 no scoping you and quick scoping you left and right. It's ridiculous. And you can do all that stuff in uh, the Xbox PS4 version. However, it's still quite fun. I, I, I'm really enjoying it. I'm getting my enjoyment out of it. And I think that you would like it. I really do. If you like multiplayer shooters, if you liked World War II, the time to kill is much lower, which means that in your core modes, your the amount of bullets it takes is less than it took in World War II. At least it feels this way. I don't know. I don't know hard facts on it, but it feels this way. The amount of bullets it takes to kill someone is way less, but it's not quite as severe as World War II's hardcore mode. And then hardcore mode on Black Ops 4, I'm afraid of it, but it's it's insane. It's just somebody looks at you and breathes on you and you die. So it's definitely the time to kill has been reduced, which adds to the pacing and makes it feel way more frantic. But you also have a bit of strategy involved with the operatives or the agents or whatever they're called in this game which is the meta class that you pick. So there, for example, there's a character called battery and she is, has a cluster grenade as one of her abilities that recharges over time. And then her ultimate ability is a grenade launcher that is super powerful, like pretty much a one, one shot kill for anybody in the splash zone. So the operatives add a lot of interesting, varied tactics to the game. And, they can really change the way that you play your character. For example, if I'm playing as Nomad with a sniper rifle and Nomad has a dog that runs around and he one hit kills people when he comes across them, the dog. So if you follow the dog, um, uh, you know, you can get some interesting kills, especially because they get distracted by the dog. Um, and it's pretty nice because if you keep your distance, you can really, really pick off some people with it. He also has trip mines as his main secondary ability, which is a godsend because if you're used to playing snipers with claymores, uh, at your back, it's really nice to have that safety net. If someone tries to come up behind you, they explode, 
uh, and die before they get a chance to kill you and then you can relocate as needed um but it changes in that if you're playing as battery and you have a sniper rifle same exact loadout you would be a little more aggressive because you have the grenades and you also have the uh grenade launcher so when you get those abilities when they're cooled down it's time to be aggressive and move in on the enemy and move up on them. So it really changes your style of sniping. It makes you more of a on the move combat sniper rather than a ranged kind of chill out and wait for people. So it's smart to change your loadouts. For example, you would slap like a uh, I think they have a holographic site for the um, Paladin sniper rifle. You'd slap that on there for battery if you are playing an aggressive kind of character, but if you're kind of sitting back and letting your dog do the work and you're using those trip mines to your advantage, you might want to use a longer range scope and they actually have variable scopes as well. They have a two X that zooms into a four X and a 1.5 X that zooms into a three X, I think. And those are really good options for playing a character that is a little bit more conservative, but can be up close and personal when the need arises. So it's pretty interesting the amount of variety it gives you in terms of gameplay and strategy and tactics. Now, looking at Blackout, let's talk about Blackout cuz I'm not going to talk about zombies too much. Keep that in mind. I've not played a lot of it, so I don't want to give a false impression of it. The the time I did play it, it was hectic, it was chaotic, and it was confusing, and I loved it. I thought it was really cool uh having zombies coming at you and getting weapons and then unlocking doors, but I didn't know what anything did. So, we were just unlocking doors and wandering around, and there's no real end to it cuz you're just trying to get to a certain wave, I guess, uh to say this is my high score or what have you. But um and I think that's kind of the goal. But ultimately, I don't know. I'm just not a massive zombies fan. I never have been, but I did give it a go. And it's it's hectic and chaotic and actually a lot of fun. So uh, I can't give too much more in terms of impressions on that just because I don't have a lot more. But we'll talk about Blackout because I've played Blackout with some friends, um, namely the uh, ever so awesome My Boomstick. I played with Night Tide, who is pretty dang awesome as well. And then Starmer. And we played as a squad of four. And uh, I'll tell you what. First time I've ever had a legitimate blast playing a battle royale game. We had so much fun. It was a a great time because uh, we worked together well as a unit. We called out our enemies. We made sure that we were uh, sharing equipment and gear. We worked together like a well-oiled machine. And that made a big difference to me because generally speaking in battle royale games, I've only ever experienced the game with random people. And I think that's kind of swayed my view on it a bit. I'm still not a huge fan of battle royales in general, just because at least from a streamer perspective, let me, let me, let me caveat it that way because I I don't necessarily mind them in terms of just playing with your friends or whatever. There's no problem there for me. The real problem is when I'm streaming, I get super focused and I end up ignoring chat. And I've seen this happen with a lot of streamers. And personally, from my perspective, the chat is what makes the stream interesting. It's the lifeblood of the chat or of the stream. And so Ultimately, I don't like ignoring my chat and I see it so often that when I'm playing a game like that, that needs a lot of focus, people will come in and they're like, hey, are you ignoring me? What's going on? Why aren't you talking? Blah, 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 blah. And it's it adds a lot of undue stress for a streamer to have people kind of like, why aren't you talking to us? You should be talking. You should be engaging. And it's like, but I'm trying to focus on the game as well. You know, I want to have fun with this game, too. And I can't have fun if I'm dying literally every five seconds. So it's an interesting balance to try to strike. So I found it really fun. I actually had a really good time playing in a squad with with those three guys because 
not only are they great entertainers and they are damn good entertainers. So if you ever go check out a Starmer live on mixer, if you check out my boomstick on mixer or Twitch, check out night tide on mixer or Twitch, you won't regret it because they are amazing. They're fantastic entertainers. But that said, we played off each other very well and it made for a much more engaging and interesting conversation as well as a much better stream because we were all so attentive to our chats rather than just focusing solely on the game. It was really refreshing and really nice for me. So my interest in Battle Royale games has actually been kind of renewed a little bit. I'm not going to become a Battle Royale streamer, not by a long shot, but personally from my perspective, Blackout seems to be a good game because it has a good balance of the lull and the action. And what's interesting about blackout. Now let me get focused back on blackout rather than from a streamer perspective, but from a player perspective, blackout is much more aggressive. It doesn't want you to play it safe. Like there's things like pickups that you pick up that you pick up. I said, pick up like four times there. It has pickups that you grab such as, excuse me, that was a burp and I didn't put it right in the, the microphone. So um, you're welcome. I just ate. So um, the food is like uh, trying to speak to me and visit me again, like ghosts of food past. But that said, so it has a lot of pickups that you grab, such as the sensor dart from the main game. Um, there are trip mines, the mesh mines. Uh, there's all sorts of stuff like the RCXD and patrol remote control cars and things like that. So it actually the existence of those discourages you from camping really now mesh mines naturally you can utilize but it's smart to leave a mesh mine in a place where you've left like a weapon or something that somebody might come by for and then maybe you'll get a kill out of it you never know and things like that so it it really encourages you to play it smart because you never know when they'll have a sensor dart that they're going to hit on the building you're in and know exactly where you are and it 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 forces you to move and be aggressive and push into new areas. And it's so much more exciting and engaging and interesting to me as a player that I was like engrossed the whole time. And I was like, I want more. I want more. I want more. Let's keep playing. Let's keep doing this. And it was, uh, it was fun. I had so much fun. I don't know. It just was great because, you know, the, the challenge I have with battle Royales is just the, the, the lack of, feeling like there's a an urge like an urgency like if you look at like Fortnite or the like nothing really feels intense until the very end with blackout the map feels like it's perfectly sized to the point where you're almost every game running into people really early so the action is really it ramps up really fast and it stays pretty intense the addition of vehicles into call of duty here is pretty cool too having a helicopter to fly around makes you a big target but also you can get away from the incoming storm really quickly. There's ATVs, there's trucks. There's a lot of different vehicles that add a lot of variety to it that make it so you don't feel like you are constantly running, but you can also, you're also a big target. And I know this is, this is common staples for, for battle Royale games, but coming from a game like PUBG, where a lot of people would just camp all the time and a game like Fortnite, where it's just people build, 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 build. I just find that to be tiring and old. This feels like a more genuine kind of shooter experience, but a battle Royale on top of it. So rather than it being ultimately this repetitive kind of mess. I feel like because of the variety in the main map, because each part of the map is a, a throwback to a different 
Call of Duty map, like a Black Ops map or something like that. So like there's Nuketown. There's actually a Nuketown Island that you can go to and it's the Nuketown maps. Like it's it's based off the Nuketown map. It's really cool like to see all this stuff. And if you've played a lot of Call of Duty games, you'll have a lot of appreciation for that. But I, I just really love the intensity and the, I don't know, just the the sense of scale it doesn't feel too big, but it also feels like it's not too small either because snipers actually have value and bullet drops pretty crazy. Uh, you don't get that in a Call of Duty game, really. So it's pretty nuts to it's pretty nuts to have that that big of a bullet drop. Like every gun has huge bullet drop in this game. So it's a very different. Feel compared to the rest of the game and it's it's nice and it's nice to have a battle royale as a game mode because that's one of my biggest gripes is that battle royale should not be a game it should be a game mode a part of a game it should be a smaller part of a larger product because battle royale is a game mode i don't care what you say i don't care what you tell me there's not enough to a battle royale to make it worthwhile for a game for me it's just that's how it is that's how i feel and battle royale being a game mode a part of the bigger package is such a perfect fit for call of duty i was so genuinely surprised i'm very interested to see what battlefield 5 does with the concept and having triple a studios and i know epic's a triple a but again they ended up making fortnite br kind of its own standalone title i know save the world is still there but you know they don't care about that anymore. It doesn't matter. So we don't talk about it because it pretty much doesn't exist. It's only there for looks, for appearance sake. That said, Fortnite is, yes, it's by a AAA studio, but it also is free. It's not a paid product. And it shows because they release seasons every three months and they're making more money than God on it because of microtransactions. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with making money off of it, but... They also have not had that much need to innovate because they are so on top of the game right now. They are the number one and they will be for quite some time, I think. But that said, it's nice to see AAA companies really, instead of dipping their toes, they're sticking their entire legs in. And it's nice. It's refreshing to see Call of Duty have a new mode that is something that was really popular because I feel like PUBG kind of bland extremely boring buggy unoptimized bit of a mess really just my my two cents there but when it comes down to black ops blackout mode it's fun engaging yeah it has its bugs it has latency issues and the like but it's still pretty early into the life cycle of the game but as the released product it's pretty damn good i haven't had a lot of complaints out of it and i've played uh, several games i mean i haven't won any but i'm i'm garbo so um I kind of have to put my weight onto my teammates shoulders and they have to carry me a bit because I'm, I'm really not that great. I don't know. I just think, I think blackouts a solid release. And I think that as part of the greater package, it's, it's perfection in that regard. I don't think the game itself is perfection, but I think the fact that it exists in the package that exists is perfect. And I think it's great. I'm very, very pleased with the results of it. And I'm excited to see where they take it because I, actually have excitement for a battle royale game for the first time ever to be totally honest with you and generally generally i'm not a big fan of single life modes like if you play like rainbow six siege and the like i'm not a big fan of that kind of combat i don't like you know one and you're done type deal but it's really not that bad 
in this regard because you expect it from a battle royale. It's it's just kind of part of it. And I mean, I'm not knocking Siege at all. It's just I'm not normally a big fan of that type of game. Hard to put my finger on why, but uh, I just like being able to respawn really quickly and get back in the action. I don't like having to wait around. With Blackout, I don't know. When I'm dead, it gives me a chance to really interact with my stream. Ah. I guess I guess I don't have any real strong feelings either way about it, but I, my preference will always be the base deathmatch kind of modes where it's die, respawn, die, respawn, because it at least gets me a chance to get better over time rather than having to wait large periods of time in between each death to improve my skills. But that's something that's something to that's a completely different gripe, I suppose. <sighs> but that said, I I feel like Black Ops 4 as a package is solid and enjoyable and I think that if you are into first-person shooters that are pretty fast-paced, that have a large variety of game modes to play, Black Ops 4 is definitely right up your alley. I think you'll you'll greatly enjoy it. And if you can get past the veneer of it being a Call of Duty game, get past the veneer of it being a Black Ops game, I think there's a lot to love there. And I'm surprised that I like it as much as I do, but I do. I love it. It's a great game, and I highly recommend it. So if you liked World War II, you will like this even more, I think. So... Let me know if you feel the same way in the comments and we can talk about it because I'd, I'd be interested in having the discussion because I think it's definitely something to talk about and get different viewpoints on. But from my perspective, it's a great game and it's a ton of fun. And I I, I give kudos to Treyarch and uh, Activision for releasing a good solid title that doesn't feel too microtransaction-y and too loot boxy. So uh, A plus there. And I think you guys should pick it up for sure. Okay. Let's move on to a little bit of a different topic. Let's change gears here because this is where things get a little heavier than just a, a bit of a lighthearted review. We're going to talk about uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. I'm on the fence, guys. I just don't know if I want to get it. I talked about this a little on my Twitter and I got some interesting responses because I'm I'm legitimately on the fence because... There's been a lot of really disturbing reports that there have been huge amounts of crunch forced upon the employees at Rockstar Games during the end period of this game's development cycle. And for those of you who do not know what crunch is, I have a definition that I would like to read to you. Uh, crunch mode, also referred to as crunch time, is the term used by those in the software development industry to describe working extra hours for extended periods of time in order to finish a project or meet a deadline. It's associated with management expecting employees to work 50, 60, 70, and sometimes even 80 hours a week for months on end. So pretty much what crunch is, is dangerous. It represents the forced march of employees to the end of a project at all costs, at the cost of their personal relationships, their sleep, their health. It's it's definitely a dangerous thing. So let's talk a little about crunch because there's a lot there. Okay. So let's unpack it first. So crunch regards relates to that, that crunch time, but it also relates that, that the term also relates to those who are doing it voluntarily. So let's, let's delineate there. There are, there's crunch that's management mandated where they are more or less forcing their employees to come in. If they want to keep their jobs, they're holding some kind of collateral against them to make them come in and do this crunch time, this crunch mode. Then there's passion projects, 
ones where people want to come in. Say you're working on a project for a company and you come in for 60 hours in a week, but you didn't do it because management expected it of you. You just did it. Or if you're working on an indie title of your own doing and you spend 80 hours in a week working on it, that's your call. That's totally what you wanted to do. Now, I'm talking about the management mandated ones. So let, let's talk a little bit about where where this kind of originates from. Now, this this originates all the way back from uh, 2004 uh, in November of 2004. So th- this information comes from um, a Stanford site that I found called Crunch Mode Programming to the Extreme. Uh, it's from E. Roberts. I have no idea who that is, but I did find it while I was searching around. Uh, it was authored by Justin Brown, Vincent Dory. Michael Huang and Michael Turitzen. Um, and it was created for a project in their CS201 class, which is a class about ethics and computer science taught by Eric Roberts at Stanford University. So that said, um, this information comes from some some research sources and the like. So I please work with me here. Um, these are, you know, um, these are uh, research topics. I just I found a nice condensed version of this that I'm going to be quoting a lot of. So please forgive me. I'm not trying to plagiarize these people's work, but I wanted to give them full credit. So because people may not know this exists. So that said, in November of 2004, there was somebody uh, on um, uh, on the Internet who wrote a blog entry. Uh, their name went by EA underscore spouse, and they were the partner of an EA employee. And they this person wrote about the working conditions at Electronic Arts. Uh, and so pretty much it caused the same exact thing we're seeing with Red Dead Redemption 2 to kind of explode into the public, if that makes sense. So um, what had happened is that um, uh, this person had to work eight hours, six days a week during a quote unquote mild crunch. And then a real crunch came several weeks later and they would have to work from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. seven days a week with the occasional Saturday evening off for good behavior. That's a direct quote from the EA spouse live journal. And the biggest problem with it was that the salaried employees receive no overtime, no compensation time or comp time, which means that they get, time off equivalent to what they spent working extra. So if you work 40 hour, 80 hours in a week, you get 40 hours off to make up for it because you're, you're salaried. You don't make any extra money. Most developers are salaried. Keep that in mind here. I've seen the argument many times where people say, Oh, well they must be pulling in huge, huge dollars in overtime. No, you don't get extra overtime when you work salary. I work salary. If I work for if I work 60 hours in a week, there is no bonus for me unless the management deems it as such. That said, um, no compensation time, and then there was no additional sick or vacation leave. The time was just used. They didn't give them anything for it. Um, maybe there was a bonus at the end based on the sales of the game. But that said, that's another thing that I'm going to touch on here in a little bit. That said, does that justify it? So that's a big chunk of where the issue rolls in. There is a management mandated extra work period put on the employees that are salaried, meaning they get no pay uh, over what they normally make. They get no comp time. They get no sick or vacation leave for it. They just have to put out a product and deal with it. Now that's where this, this really kind of started 
at least for me, I mean, this has been going on for a while, but 2004 was really the first big break in the games industry for this. But this is not something unusual. Now, let me let me say that this happens in almost every major place, like when people were working on. And again, this comes from that same Stanford site, but Windows NT had a huge crunch time when they were working on it. Same deal. Massive crunch. And this is this is a piece of software. This is a, an OS. Things like that. It's It's been in the, the software industry for a long time. Now, one of the arguments that I've seen as well is, well, it's it's everywhere, so it's OK. It's been done for ages. That doesn't make it OK. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm injecting my opinion here. And I'm th- this is such a, a passionate, heated thing for me that to hear people like defending, oh, well, it's always been. So therefore, it's fine. I mean, nothing ever changes if you don't call out the BS and you don't try to make changes. So anyways, but that said, so the argument that I've seen against that is it's been around forever is what it is. So I'll let that roll. We'll come back to that when I start injecting my opinion more. I'm sorry if I get off on a tangent about what I feel on it. It's just so hard to bottle up when you're looking at something like this. But that said, so during NT, they would come in from 6 a.m. and work late into the night, seven days a week until it shipped. And unfortunately, they also would not get any comp time or, or anything like that. So Crunch is a big problem. It's been a big problem for many, many years. I mean, as long as software has had release dates, crunch has existed. So that is how it is. 2004 was one of the earliest that we saw in the games industry. And that was 14 years ago at this point. That's It's been a while and it's still been a problem. Now let's look at Telltale Games. They pretty much ran crunch through almost all of their projects and burnt out a lot of their people. It's a big problem with doing crunch like this is you burn out your talent. The problem with doing this in almost every game industry and almost every game publisher or developer team is you burn out all the talent from ever working in the games industry. Again, you're never going to have veterans. I don't know. It's it's something interesting to think about because Telltale Games went under because in part, I mean, aside from its management and them being kind of uh, garbo in the way they handled a lot of things, Crunch Time really had a massive negative impact on their uh, um, culture and thus ended up driving them into the ground at some point. And their launch schedules being so ambitious was what caused a lot of this telltale doesn't exist anymore due in large part to crunch i don't know how else to to put it i mean if you think crunch is okay look at what happened to telltale they were working on multiple titles simultaneously and they had content going out at the point of they had over 400 employees at one point at telltale games. Apparently a source told us gamer that quote, at one point there was a quote printed on paper on one of the creative director's doors that read something to the tune of it's not about how much time you need to make a good game. It's about how good of a game you can make with the time you have. Interesting. So, Spend all your time making a game rather than 
spending the time needed to make a good game. I I don't know. It comes across as very dismissive of people's time and more focused on the time of getting a project out the door. And one of the things that I never fully understood is having a good game come out when it comes out is a way more valuable tactic to me from my standpoint than burning people out and causing a human toll. And I'm not saying death, but I am a human toll is when it has a, an impact on people, whether it be health, mental or physical, or their desire to even continue in the industry. If you're burning people out and looking at games like red dead redemption two, I have trouble trying to support that because they're treating their employees as disposable units. Now, one of the big problems with what happened with Red Dead Redemption 2 and what happens in a lot of game studios, which makes zero sense to me, is if you leave the team during the development course, even if you touched, if you worked on a game and you leave during the course of development for that game, you don't make it into the credits. And what that means is if you touched a game, if you say you develop, say you were working on Final Fantasy X, you and five other guys did the entire development work on the code of the combat system, the entire work, just, just making up a, a story here, just to, to draw an anecdote. Okay. You did, you put in 10 weeks of 60 hour days, six days a week, ton of work. You worked your ass off for it, but you're burned out and you just can't do it anymore. And you got to quit and you leave. And they leave your name off the credits entirely. You, you bust your ass. You work as hard as you possibly can. You give and you give and you pretty much with the help of you, you work on 20% of this battle system on your own. We'll just, we'll just throw that number out there because five people divided by, you know, into a hundred percent, that's 20% each. You did 20% of this battle system and you get no credit for it. That is absurd to me. You touch a game, your name should be on the credits. The same thing happens with movies. You touch a movie, your name gets on the credits. It's it's crazy to me that the only proof that they have that they worked on this game would be that their name is in the credits. And to be excluded from that is insane. And so part of the problem that we run into with Red Dead Redemption 2 is from what reports say. And again, I'm only speaking from reports I've seen and read all i can do i'm not a, a journalist i don't have access to all this crazy sources like jason schreier does or whatever but look at what red dead redemption 2 was doing to people you either crunched and if you didn't crunch you got let go you get let go you don't end up on the credits that's a lot to lose you lose your job you lose your credit because you didn't want to put your health and your personal life on the line for this game. It just seems ridiculous to me. Like I understand being passionate about a project and wanting to sink time into it. That's on you. If you want to do that, that's your choice, but you can't force people to do that. It seems over the top and unnecessary and dangerous. If you're not compensating them in a meaningful way. Now, Let's talk about compensation. Compensation is supposed to come from a bonus at the end. Now, this is where my catch 22 comes in. And this is what sucks about this whole situation. If I buy this game, 
I contribute directly to the bonuses that the employees are supposed to get. Now, let's be real. It's only the employees that are still there, not the people that worked on it or got credits or didn't get credits in this case. So that said, you're only giving bonuses to a limited number of people who saw it through. So these people that sacrificed and suffered to bring this game to existence, I appreciate their work. I, I do. I, I truly do. For any, any developer who brings a piece of a beautiful piece of work like Red Dead Redemption 2 to the public is a powerful thing. Anybody that can bring a story like the Walking Dead series to the masses has done a beautiful thing. Developers, artists. Well, I mean, artists are developers, right? Let's be real. The developer covers anybody who works on a game. I'm talking coders. I'm talking artists. I'm talking sound people, voice actors, you name it. I have a ton of respect for those people. But the catch comes in that guess who else is going to get bonuses? The management, the people who enforce this crunch time. So what do I do? Do I give money to, to maybe give a, a small bonus to all the developers who worked on this and then maybe an even bigger bonus to management who forced them to work unending hours causing real damage to their personal relationships with their wives, their kids missing out on the lives of their family, maybe removing, uh, you know, friendship connections that they had at some point because they had to let their, their friendships languish because of six to eight months of crunch, maybe longer. I don't know. That's where my, my challenge comes in. I don't want to support these, this management that are the, people who inflict this pain, this human cost on people. It's crazy to me. I, and that's where my, my, my struggle comes in when I see people arguing that crunch exists everywhere. So it's fine. But the only way that I can have an impact on their company is by not giving them money. So what do I do? Like, where's my, where's the, I just don't know. It's such a hard choice. And I know the game's going to do well, whether I buy it or not, it's already selling huge. But that's not the point. The point is the principle of the matter. And the principle for me is, do I give them money? Is it worth giving them money for what they have done and what they have caused here? I think giving them a, a bonus is a nice, a nice warm, fuzzy thing. But again, that, uh, I don't know. I just, I have such a, a hard time agreeing with giving money to the people who do nasty things. It's like if you give to a charity that spends 10% of their money on helping poor people and the other 90% goes to the CEO or to the, uh, the higher ups of the, of the charity, do you still do it? Or do you find another charity? Do you find another place to spend your money? And I don't know. I just, I, I have a real hard time wrapping my head around it. If a company say a company does something really disgusting, like they contribute funds to a racist organization, maybe like a, like a white nationalist organization or something. We'll throw that out there. Let's say that this company does that and they make probably like the, the greatest hamburgers ever most delicious hamburgers in the world. And I'm jonesing for a hamburger, but I know full well that part of the money that I spend is going to go back into this white nationalist recipient of the funds that this company gives them. Am I 
complicit, does that make me part of the problem? If I would knowingly do that, that's the question. Am I part of the problem by buying into and supporting these negative habits? Or is that on the company for doing it and they just have to correct themselves? I don't know how else to, to, to slice and dice it. And I've seen a lot of arguments on this, but I just don't personally see how I can reasonably support this game knowing that the bulk majority of this quote unquote bonus is going to go to the higher ups. It always does. It's how it works in these businesses. I have to leave you guys to make your choice and I'm interested to hear your choice. I don't necessarily want to debate this any further. I kind of wanted to get this out and share my viewpoint on it because I've been kind of like mulling it over the last few days and I just, I've come to the conclusion that I can't support it. And I wasn't planning on buying it for stream anyways. I was planning on buying it and playing it off stream because it's such a long game that, um, I don't know. I just, it's such a long game that it would be very hard for me to play on stream because I tend to bounce and I'd lose my place really easily. With that said, thank you to the rockstar employees who busted their asses to bring this product out to the people. I really genuinely mean that. I don't mean to say that you don't deserve bonuses because y'all deserve to make more money than the managers who made you work that much. That's my point of view. But that said, I also can't personally support a product that is going to, to line the pockets of people who inflicted so much misery and pain on so many people who forced people to feel like if they did not meet this crunch, if they did not put 80 hours a week in, they did not put 100 hours a week in, that they would lose their jobs, lose their livelihoods and have their name not even put in the game. That's ridiculous. I think it's I think it's overblown. I think it's stupid. And I think it's not right of me to support that. I think that the managers should be punished summarily. I think they should all be canned. They should all be freaking fired for it. And I think that the people who the developers who put as much work into it as they did get a huge ass bonus and raise. End of story. That's all. That's all I have to say about that. I, I don't have much more because I'm going to get ranty otherwise. <laughs> so that said, I appreciate you guys listening to me ramble on for the last 20 minutes or whatever about uh, crunch time and crunch culture. I hope you learned something at least about what it is and the situation that we've run into here and how bad it is and how bad it's gotten because it's not a minor thing. Yes, it is prevalent. No, it's not okay. And I think that's what the takeaway needs to be. And we need to speak out against it. And if we hear about atrocities like 100 hour work weeks, we really need to not give them our money. But that's my my two cents. You may feel differently and that's OK. In this case, I, I don't know if there's any winners except for the managers who win either way because they suck. That said, thank you guys for listening. I'm going to roll into my little uh, my little inspiel here. The ICT podcast is written and produced by me, Tim Hosey. Insert Coin Theater is more than a podcast. It's also live streams four days a week at mixer.com slash insert coin theater. But above that, it's also a vibrant and inclusive community on Discord at discord.gg slash ICT. If you'd like to support my efforts monetarily and help my content creation efforts become a full-time gig, please consider pledging on the new Insert Coin Theater Patreon. It's not really new anymore, but still, please consider pledging there at patreon.com slash ICT. That's patreon.com slash ICT without the voice break. 
I'd like to give a huge thanks to Andy B, our Arcade Master level supporter, and our three other Patreon supporters for helping keep this podcast alive and kicking. If you're unable to support monetarily, please consider leaving a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. The positive reviews will help bring in new listeners to the podcast and will help the show grow in a meaningful way. If you have any comments, suggestions, questions, or wish to connect with me, please visit on Twitter at twitter.com slash insertcointim or on Mixer, Twitch, Facebook, or Instagram at insertcointheater. My DMs on Discord are always open, and you can reach me there at insertcointheater, hashtag 6969. The ICT podcast intro and the outro song you're hearing now is created by the amazing and wonderful Ben Burns, also known as Abstraction. You can check out his music at abstractionmusic.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.